You are now listening to The Model Health Show with Sean Stevenson. For more, visit themodelhealthshow.com. Welcome to The Model Health Show. This is fitness and nutrition expert Sean Stevenson, and I'm so grateful for you tuning in with me today. Humans are oily individuals. I'm not talking about the Wizard of Oz and the Tin Man looking for that oil to keep everything lubricated. Humans are naturally producing and drawing in oils from our environment, specifically through our food, and also utilizing oils for many of our functions. Specifically, for instances that we can have a cognitive association to would be like the movement of our joints. This would be the health of our skin. But some things that people don't tend to think about is the oiliness of the human brain. The human brain, if we look at the, the quote, dry weight of the human brain, it's anything but dry. It's actually primarily fat. The human brain itself is actually the consistency of soft butter. All right, it's a very fat, dominant, fat-loving organ. We're gonna talk about that a little bit today. But most importantly, I want people to think about our cardiovascular system, right? Heart disease is the number one cause of death in the United States, and it's been that way for many years. And it's been on the rise, of course, specifically in recent decades, whereas this was much more of a rare occurrence with our ancestors, you know, generations prior to now, and the rates have just been skyrocketing, as you very well know. And one of the things that isn't often talked about, because we think it, of course, is diet-related, which definitely plays a huge part, research published in the Journal of the American Medical Association, this was published in 2018, determined that poor diet is the number one risk factor for cardiovascular disease and many other chronic conditions that people are suffering with, but specifically if we're talking about heart health. But what does that actually mean? We think about maybe sugar, we think about maybe fat, but what type of fats? Because we tend to put these things in very black or white boxes. When we talk about sugar, is this a naturally occurring sugar from a fruit, say, something like that, or something that's not very refined like a honey, or something that's highly refined, like say a packaged CNH sugar? out there on the store shelves, right? There's some differentiation that needs to take place because humans have been consuming sugar and consuming fats since the very beginning of our evolution. And to just vilify these things without context is part of the problem because there are specific types of fat that are well noted to be problematic. A recent report that was published in the BMJ Open Heart found that vegetable oils, can be a major culprit behind organ failure, cardiac arrest, and sudden death. Vegetable oils. That sounds remarkably healthy. A vegetable oil? Now, if you pull back a little bit and you don't have any concept of these issues, because I know a lot of folks that listen to the show, we've talked about some of these highly refined oils on past shows and bringing on some of the leading experts in the field. But if you don't have any context of this, like my family did not, as I was growing up, vegetable oils sound healthy. It's If you put the name vegetable on it, it's denoting that this is a healthier option. So how in the world is this causing damage to the human heart? Well, the human body itself is able to integrate with the materials that it's given. And also, if things that are provided to the human body are not effectively processed, the body finds creative ways to store these things. And what it does ultimately 
when we're putting highly refined, low quality oils into our bodies, there's going to be a diversion of energy. Number one, there's gonna be damage to our mitochondria to be able to support our processes of health, whether it's our immune system, whether it's our cardiovascular system, but also there's going to be a rampant increase in inflammation. And we know that inflammation is really the primary driver for looking at cardiovascular issues, right? We tend to put in these small boxes of, it's the cholesterol, it's fat, it's actually inflammation. And also we think about blood pressure, for example, when it comes to cardiovascular issues, but what about blood sugar? What about blood sugar? It's all happening in the same blood, the pressure and the sugar, but also what kind of fats are getting delivered throughout our blood. All of these things matter, but inflammation is the culprit that can really create some damage. And we've done a masterclass specifically dedicated to understanding inflammation. So we'll put that for you in the show notes. But today we're gonna focus on these highly refined, unusual fats that have only recently made their way into the human diet and only recently, even more recently, been used in a wide array of foods and specifically being something that's really hard to even avoid in our culture today. And we're bringing on the foremost expert in the subject matter. So I'm really, really excited about this. Now, before we get to our special guest, just thinking about growing up and my mother making that switch, right, over to using, quote, vegetable oil to fry up potatoes, for example, thinking it's a healthier option. At the same time, I was also having my Kool-Aid, all right? It's one of the things that I grew up having on a regular basis. I was the Kool-Aid chemist in the house, combining flavors. I've always, I've always been a flavor guy, you know? So I would combine like the black cherry with the fruit punch, you know, I would try to come up, but here's the thing. The amount of sugar, like we're talking about a cup, cup and a half in a pitcher, a cup and a half of sugar in a pitcher of Kool-Aid that I'm sipping on. And then of course they come out with the, the Kool-Aid jammers and things like that, you know, just to make that access to these sweetened beverages with zero nutrition, right? It's not coming along with an array of vitamins and minerals and phytonutrients or anything like that. It's bringing in an incredibly abnormal amount of highly refined sugar into the body. But that thread is still there for many people are utilizing these things. Because for me, I wasn't necessarily a big soda drinker. I loved fruit punch and juice and things like that. But this is what I love today is that we have the ability to upgrade those things. Experiences that people are acclimated towards but providing much higher quality ingredients. And so today, one of the things that my family uses and my youngest son who's 10 years old, he'll go over and grab this himself is a red juice formula that utilizes things like acai. Acai has an ORAC value, if we're talking about antioxidant capacity, of 103,000. This means that it has more antioxidants, 10 times more antioxidants than just about any other fruits that you'll see in a conventional grocery store, 10 times more. But here's the thing that really sets it apart that we have peer-reviewed evidence on the Journal of Agriculture and Food Chemistry found that acai actually does directly raise participants' antioxidant levels. This demonstrates that it is effectively absorbed from our gut. We have a, an association with it. We know that it's in the food, but we also know that we pick it up and utilize it. Also in this formula, so we got acai in the formula, we've got blueberry in the formula, 
Researchers at the University of Michigan published data finding that blueberry intake can potentially affect genes related to fat burning. Also in this formula, beets. How often are you getting access to beets? A study published in the Journal of Applied Physiology showed that drinking beet juice boosts stamina up to 16% during exercise and they found that the participants experienced less muscle damage and less fatigue after exercise. All right, so these are just three of the ingredients in the Organifi Red Juice formula. No crazy processed sugars, nothing like that. Just superfood concentrates and all organic. Kids love it, so it's kid-tested, mother and father approved. Definitely pop over and check it out. It's Organifi.com forward slash model. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I dot com forward slash model. And you get 20% off, 20% off their red juice formula, their amazing green juice formula, and every other thing that they carry. Exclusive. All right, so pop over there, check them out. Organifi.com forward slash model. Now let's get to the Apple Podcast Review of the Week. Another five-star review titled Thank You by EMA Dave. Sean, I appreciate your calming voice and down-to-earth approach to some very complex subjects. Your consistent references to peer-reviewed studies help me feel comfortable that facts and logic have been scrutinized and validated. After each episode, I sit up straighter and look to a brighter future, knowing a little more about what makes my mind and body tick and how I can make it operate with greater strength and efficiency. Best to you and your family. That's powerful. We can all look forward to a brighter future. And that's one of our missions today. You know, when there's so much turbulence happening in the world, what do we want the world to look like? What do we want our society's health to look like? Our families, our work life, the way that we interact with each other. Let's start to get a crystal clear vision moving forward because the human mind is incredibly powerful in bringing those things to fruition. Of course, we're dealing with some problems, it's not to ignore those things, but where are we going? Where are we going to be headed? And the clearer that we can get on this, the more swiftly and gracefully I believe we can bring it into reality. So again, thank you so much for leaving that review over on Apple Podcasts. And without further ado, let's get to our special guest and topic of the day. Our guest today is Dr. Kate Shanahan, and she is truly one of the leading authorities on nutrition and human metabolism. A board-certified family physician for over 20 years and also a New York Times bestselling author of The Fat Burn Fix and Deep Nutrition and Food Rules. And her expertise is fixing the underlying problems that cause metabolic damage and inflammation. You've definitely heard about some of the people whose lives have been impacted by Dr. Kate's work, working with the Lakers for many years. Kobe Bryant was on her protocol, really helping him to recover from an injury that would have taken a significant amount of time to recover from, not just that, but also coming back and playing at a high level after the injury and really taking hold of Dr. Kate's advice. And so she's had a big impact on sports performance and everyday performance, everyday health for so many people. And we're gonna welcome back, jumping into this conversation with the amazing Dr. Kate Shanahan. Dr. Kate Shanahan, one of my favorite people in this space. Welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for inviting me back. It's always a pleasure to speak with you. Uh, well, listen, the first thing I want to do is for folks who might not be aware of this subject matter, can you give us a brief summation about what vegetable oil actually is? It sounds super healthy. It's got vegetable in the title, but let's talk about what it actually is. 
Vegetable oil is the defining feature of junk food, right? When you talk about why is the Western diet unhealthy, it's because of the fact that it's totally filled up with tons of vegetable oils. And so just to specify, vegetable oil is not coming from peas and carrots. It's coming from seeds, actually. So some people call it seed oil. And there's eight of them that I recommend everyone just get out of their diet as, as much as possible, as soon as possible. So there's corn, canola, cottonseed, soy, sunflower, safflower, rice bran, and grapeseed. So there's a lot of them, right? There's a, I've called them the hateful eight since there's eight of them, just to kind of help remind people at least some that there's a lot of them, right? There's eight. You want to memorize these things. It seems like a big job, but they're in everything that's bad for us, right? So if, if you look at you just go to your cupboard and just look at anything that's a packaged ingredient, a packaged good. It's going to have one of these oils in them. You won't have to look too long before you find one. And, you know, the worst offenders are the things that we think are health foods, like salad dressing and, um, well, mayonnaise. But people use a lot of mayonnaise. It's actually the number one condiment, although no one really thinks it's healthy. But, you know, it's in baby formula. It's in stuff that's labeled organic because you can be organic and still include organic canola oil, right? They make it organic. All that means is that they didn't saturate the plant with like Roundup and um, pesticides while they were growing it. But it doesn't mean that it's the end product is healthy, right? I mean, you know, that sugar, of course, can be organic sugar. So it doesn't mean it's healthy just because it says organic. So these things are everywhere and doctors don't really know a thing about them. So when you're talking to your doctor about your diet, they'll never ask you how much seed oil are you getting or vegetable oil. They'll never ask you about how much of that are you eating? What are you cooking your stuff in? Doctors never ask that just because we don't learn how toxic these things are. I had to learn all on my own. Of course, and you've been a pioneer in getting this message out. So when you say the word toxic, wh why are these, again, they're labeled as healthy, it's a vegetable oil. Why is this considered toxic to the human body? Because of the fact that it actually contains real toxins. So this is the sick thing about it, right? There's about, um, well, let's see. Where do the toxins come from? I guess maybe that's what we should start talking about. Yes. Like, where do they come from? Is it something that gets sprayed on them? Is it added? And the thing to know is that it's the seeds themselves have this kind of oil in them that when you process it or heat it too much, it deteriorates into toxins. That's important point. And I want to break that down a little bit because I said a lot there. The seeds themselves have this oil in them that's high in something called polyunsaturated fat, which is like the opposite of saturated fat. And it's, yes, it is the very fat that doctors will tell you and your cardiologist will tell you and Harvard will tell you is the healthy kind of fat, but it's not at all healthy when we consume it the way we do in the amounts that we do. So we can only handle, our body can only handle a little bit of it. So when you eat seeds, like I mentioned sunflower and corn and soy, when you eat the seeds, it doesn't have the toxic properties in it because it's only during the heating and the pressurizing and the refining and then the reheating again that it deteriorates into toxins. So if, when you run these things through a factory to extract the oil from the seed, it's an extremely chemically intensive process. And fun fact, 
the first time they made oil out of cotton seed was about a hundred and something years ago. And they didn't know what the health effects were. They didn't know if it was safe to eat. So they fed it to cows and some of the cows died. So there was a, a lot of work that they had to do in terms of the refining to get it so that it wasn't immediately toxic. Mm. So that, that's I'm just mentioning that to give you a sense of the fact that it's an extremely like highly processed product. You can't just squeeze the oil out with heat and pressure. You got to then go through about 40 to 100, depending on what country you're in, other processing steps, each one involving a big machine in a massive factory to be able to make that crude oil that you extracted clear again and edible. When you first extract it, it's like this foul smelling brownish inedible oil that looks very much like used motor oil and is probably about as healthy. I mean, literally, I'm sure you could take used motor oil and run it through the same steps and have something edible-ish coming out the other end. And so that's where the toxins come from, is from the processing. Oh, but wait, that's not where all the toxins come from. Because when you use that oil again in a deep fryer or in a shallow frying pan, or just really put any heat on it, the same kinds of reactions occur in this dangerous polyunsaturated fatty acid that's in these oils. And they break down again into the same kinds of toxins. And when I say toxins, I mean, you know how cigarette smoke has toxins? It's got something called acrolein in it. Literally the same molecule you have in seed oils, acrolein. And mm -hmm. I was just listening to a professor give a lecture about well, how much is in is in this? Is it relevant? In one serving of large fries that's been, you know, deep fried, you have the equivalent amount of acrolein as you would get from smoking 20 to 25 cigarettes. So it's a whole pack, one serving. And that is just one of the types of toxins that are in seed oil. So when I say these things are toxic, I'm not kidding. I'm I don't mean like just a slight amount of, you know, something like, oh, you don't want to live on it. Well, first of all, we are living on it because take a look, it's in your fridge, it's in your cupboard. And secondly, it has toxins in higher quantities than anything else we can consume, even cigarettes. Isn't that just mind boggling? I mean, that's, to me, it's like, how is it that doctors can't hear this and they can't like understand how important that this could be to their patient's health? So that's why I've been sort of on this uh, campaign <laughs> for, yeah. for a while now, like over 15 years, almost 20 years, I'm getting up there. Yeah, and it's, <laughs> you know what? It's so crazy because first and foremost, this has never been a part of the human diet through our evolution. This is a new invention first and foremost. Thank and you. as a matter of fact, in that processing, this is one of the biggest things for me, literally smoking gun, and just to pivot on what you mentioned about the cigarettes comparison, this study, this was published in the journal Inhalation Toxicology, and it noted that simply inhaling the smell of these seed oils while cooking can potentially damage your DNA. Oh, totally, yes. 
when I read this, I was just like, what? How? How? How is that even a thing? Yeah, what happens is you breathe it in. So they're called volatiles, right? Anything that you smell is uh, before you eat it, right? If you're smelling fried food, that fried smell that can permeate your kitchen, that is molecules that have come directly out of the frying pan. And people, they've done studies on folks who work in chain, these restaurant chains where they're frying this stuff all the time, you know, Taco Bell, McDonald's, and they found that they have a higher rate of lung cancer because wow. of this, right? There's no other, like they've done all the cross-checking and statistical work to make sure it's not, you know, some other factor. It's because of this. This is, they, these things cause lung cancer in non-smokers and young people. And that's just getting started because then when you eat them, it's a whole other ball game. But let me tell you one thing about that stuff that you smell. Some people think it smells really good. Some people think it smells gross. But if you're a restaurant worker, it will cake on your uniform. And it's so volatile, this kind of lacquerish cake, it has actually set laundromats on fire. So they had to, yeah, <laughs> you put it because when you launder it, it doesn't come out in the wash. So you put it in the dryer and it heats up too much. And it, you know, <laughs> if someone's not there and this happened when nobody was watching, it, it like started a fire <laughs> in the dryer and then started a fire in the laundromat. They had to shut it down. Holy so that, smokes. This is for real, for real toxic. I mean, it's insane. It is insane that the American Heart Association is actually telling people this is the stuff we want to eat more of. All right, there's it's two things. Heart right, ironically. <laughs> so there, there's two things. One, you mentioned this comparison, which would be, again, if it was extracting from the seed itself, we're gonna get something more of the consistency of what might be a, like a gasoline, for example. How do we get from that product to what we see, this kind of uniform color where it might even look similar to an olive oil? What's going on there to make it into this, what would the smell be like without adding deodorizers? What are they doing to make it this product that we end up seeing? Oh yeah, well, it ain't easy, let me tell you, because I belong to a chat group <laughs> of the oil scientists who do this for a living. And I can tell you, there is an army of them all around the world working diligently to try to make it so that the oil is as least toxic as possible and it makes sure that it comes out edible every time and it's not guaranteed you can just make one mistake in the many processing steps and so what happens is when it when you first squeeze the seed it's going to be a little different depending on whether it's like a cotton seed or soy or corn or canola but it, it all looks a lot like used motor oil like it's a brown black color very thick very very thick because there's like polymers and glumpiness in it. And the texture would be irregular too. It wouldn't be smooth and silky nice. It would be like lumpy and weird. And the smell, I've never actually smelled it myself, but I've been told that, oh, well, yeah, there's a step called deodorizing. So what do you think it smells like, <laughs> mm -hmm. right? In fact, it's not just a single step. It's there's entire factories devoted to the process of deodorizing. And then there's bleaching, which takes the color out. And that's a whole other, like you can have an entire factory devoted to that. And one of the fun, oh, here's another fun little fact. During the step called degumming, where you get out like those glumpy polymers that might have the consistency of mucus or something like that, that's called degumming. 
And what comes off is a black substance looks exactly for all the world like diarrhea. Uh, <laughs> and <Ew>. they, <laughs> yeah, but here it gets better. They use that. You've ever heard of soy lecithin? Mm -hmm. They lighten the color of that black stuff and they dehydrate it and it becomes like yellow powder, fairly innocent looking yellow powder. But it started out as identical to kind of like a bloody diarrhea because you don't really have normally have black in Sheesh. your poop. Sheesh, Dr. K. Oh, Sorry, yeah. <laughs> no, this is like, we need this visual. And even when you mentioned the deodorizing and you're like, what do you think the comparison, if it's deodorized? So that basically it smells like in there before they're treating it with chemicals. Yeah, I should just say that next time. I'll just quote you. It smells like <laughs> <laughs> According to Sean Stevenson. So right. now you mentioned this label, of course, that it is heart healthy. And I want to get to the heart in just a moment. But let's take things upstairs, because I don't think folks talk about this enough, because the body, the human body is incredibly resilient, remarkable and taking whatever you give it and finding a way to utilize it. And so these low quality oils essentially are getting integrated into our tissues or causing metabolic disruption, but we don't talk enough about the brain, what's happening when these oils are getting into our body, what effect they might be having on the human brain. Can we talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. So we know that um, the some of the decomposition products, so the toxins are really decomposed polyunsaturated fatty acids. So the acrolein that I mentioned is also in cigarettes. There's acrylamides and aldehydes, these toxins. But the body is trying to protect us from this stuff. So they actually don't come from, like they can't go across uh, the blood-brain barrier. That They may not even get absorbed from the gut. Like some studies say they do, some states say that they don't. So our body's trying to protect us from all these horrible, horrible toxins. But the very same chemical reactions that occur, like in the deep fryer, where you form new toxins, can occur in your bodily tissues when it's overly flooded with this kind of toxic oil called polyunsaturated fats. And I guess I shouldn't call polyunsaturated fats toxic, but they're like a precursor to toxin because they they will break down into toxin when they react with oxygen. So it's kind of like an explosion, just biological explosion that takes a molecule that is okay, could have been okay, but when we overconsume it, it just becomes toxic because you know the dose makes the poison and when you have too much of something even something good for you then it can have bad effects and it turns out that these polyunsaturated fatty acids they build up in our body fat more than any place else right and so here's the thing and here's how it affects our brain I'm, i am answering your question so because our body fat is an organ of storage right when we eat you know, extra more than the body can put to use right away, it'll go into our body fat, whatever it is, not always in the form of fat. Like when we eat extra sugar, we don't store little crystals in our body fat. We actually convert that into a kind of fatty acid to store. 
uh, either saturated or monounsaturated fat. So we can convert some things into safe fats to store in our body fat so that later when we want to use our body fat for energy, you know, if we've gone a while between meals and we could be, we could eat because it's mealtime, but we can't eat because we're busy. We can just smoothly go into burning our body fat. We have to have a lot of this good fat in there, the monounsaturated and the saturated fats that your body loves to burn those. But that hates to burn the polyunsaturated fatty acids because they are explosive on contact with oxygen and you have to use oxygen to get energy from the stuff. So when you've eaten, like the average person that eats a, the average Western standard American diet gets 80% of their fat calories from the polyunsaturated or from the, the seed oils, right? So from corn, koi, uh, corn and soy and canola, because yeah, 80% of our fat calories are coming from these oils that never existed in nature before. It's not coming from like bacon fat and butter and you know ice cream. Most of it is coming from seed oils now because it's so cheap and it's just replaced healthier fats in the most of the food supply. So anyway, so we're eating tons of this stuff and the they're loaded with this unstable kind of polyunsaturated fat and that will get into our body fat our body fat is can't like change it it can't like like i mentioned that our body chemically changes sugar into fat we cannot un i call um, i call polyunsaturated fatty acids pufas just because it's easier to say stands for polyunsaturated fatty acid pufa and when we eat pufa our body can't unpoofify it and make it safe for storage. So we have to store this dangerous fat in our body fat. And so that means that we have right now, we have the average American has about six times more polyunsaturated fatty acids stored in their body fat than it can handle because we think it can store about maybe maximum of 5% of all the fatty acids in all your body fat coming from polyunsaturates. It, it should be mostly monounsaturated and mostly saturated. So just these, I'm sorry about all these chemical terms, but there's only, you know, they're on nutrition labels. So hopefully people have heard them before a little bit. Dr. Kate, you can nerd out with us. We are versed. Let's <laughs> oh, keep great. it coming. Oh, good. <laughs> good work. Thank you, Sean. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so our body is designed to be able to store maybe up to 5% polyunsaturated fatty acid. And right now the average person walking around has probably 30%, um, especially if they're overweight and they've been eating like a standard American diet. And that means that when our body fat, when we wanna burn our body fat between meals, we're gonna be releasing a lot of this unstable polyunsaturated fatty acid. And that is how bad things happen to our brain. Because when we release this unstable polyunsaturated fatty acid into our bloodstream, there's oxygen in there. It will be able to interact in a way that just basically blows it up. And you get these kind of toxin producing reactions called chain reactions, free radical reactions, that's another term for them. And they, they basically destroy whatever they're close to and form toxins. And so when that happens, you know, a lot, 
does even still the brain is very good at protecting you from this stuff but what it does though is it depletes your entire body of its ability to control the process of oxidation so here's another chemical term but oxidation is what ages us right like you know people take antioxidants right that resveratrol and wine is supposed to be such a great antioxidant and there's antioxidants in blueberries and antioxidants in fruit that's that's to prevent the spontaneous combustion really of little tiny parts of our body because oxygen will oxidize our tissues from and burn us from the inside out but this is the also it's the aging process when we age our tissues have become oxidized and our connective tissue especially our joints when they start to feel stiff that's because they've been all oxidized and they are stiffer physically we don't have the same like elasticity in our skin we don't have the same elasticity in our cartilage and our ligaments and so oxidation ages us and when we've been eating so much polyunsaturated fatty acid it depletes our body's capacity to control oxidation reactions so it depletes us of our antioxidants even you know and that's how it can affect our brain because our brain needs more antioxidants than any other part of our body because it's full of health it's full of polyunsaturated fatty acids that's why we need some in our diet so the brain is built out of polyunsaturated fatty acids and because we have so much too much in our diet and it's just more than we were ever designed to handle the oxygen reactions get out of control deplete our antioxidants and that leaves our brain cells open to oxidation and you look up the cause of any of the brain disorders that you don't want like parkinsons, alzheimer's dementia, multiple sclerosis, even things like schizophrenia, anxiety disorders, even autism and you're going to see that a driver a cause of this disease is oxidation that gets out of control and damages different parts of the brain or different parts of the cell but it all comes back to oxidation and exactly what is being oxidized determines what disease you get but without the seed oils none of this stuff would be being oxidized so you wouldn't really you wouldn't be getting any of the disease and that's what my message is that's what i'm saying is you take away seed oils you take away 80 90% maybe even more of all of these horrible chronic degenerative brain diseases and it's not just limited to the brain but uh, you know a, a lot it's it's we have so many chronic diseases now and they're all related yeah. to oxidation and seed oils yeah so if we consolidate this essentially this is speeding up the aging process and we're going to have different susceptibility depending on the person and I think I saw maybe as a week ago, you shared a tweet out. And by the way, people should be following you on Twitter, uh, <laughs> looking at a connection with PUFAs and brain inflammation. And it reminded me of this paper that I actually talked about this in, in my latest book, In Eat Smarter. And it was from the Annals of the New York Academy of Sciences. And the researchers found that there's this double-edged sword, they call it a double-edged sword of nutritional diseases with hypothalamic inflammation leading to excessive accumulation of body fat and that accumulation of body fat, which is what you're talking about from interacting with the seed oils leading to more brain inflammation, hypothalamic inflammation. And that part of your brain, really considered a master gland, is 
largely controlling so much of what's happening downstream with your metabolism. So it's just like you get into this vicious circle of body fat accumulation, brain inflammation, and brain inflammation driving more body fat accumulation and wondering why it's so difficult for people to lose weight in our society, you know, trying all these various diets. We're not looking at what's the underlying thing. You could be doing a calorie restricted diet, but it's full of these really terrible oils that are really altering in a negative way the way that your cells are functioning. Absolutely. Yes, ab totally. That's, you know, that's a really good point because, you know, we think about just the fat itself and the amount of fat that we have as being problematic, but it's what's in the fat. <laughs> there was a time where people who were even who were overweight and even obese, they didn't get type 2 diabetes. They didn't have a higher risk of heart attacks. There, there was a time where obesity was not a risk factor for dying early. And that wasn't that long ago either. I remember debates when I first got out of medical school about you know obesity, they were just beginning to find a link to heart attacks. And that's because if you look at the graph, and I have this graph on my website, but I also talk about it in the Fat Burn Fix, my, my book about all this and how you know polyunsaturated fatty acids affect your body fat and your life. If you look at the graph of our rise of consumption of seed oils over the past hundred years, where we start at the turn of the last century around one to two pounds a day, because they really, they weren't, I'm sorry, one to two pounds per person per year of seed oils. They weren't really in the food supply. And now it's close to 80 pounds per person per year. So 80 times as much, and you look at the graph of how that consumption went up, it's exactly parallel to the graph of the prevalence of all of our other major diseases, whether it's uh, Alzheimer's or heart attacks or diabetes or obesity, it's, this is the cause. And so I'm not saying like, well, you should be overweight, just don't eat seed oils, but I am saying that Actually, here's what I'm saying. And this is really, I think, an important thing for people to hear. And this is like how I would like to change the conversation actually about obesity, because I think people who are overweight and obese, who've been eating seed oils because they didn't know they were unhealthy, they have organ failure. They have a disease of the largest organ in their body, their body fat. Because when you have all that PUFA, in your body fat, your body does not want to use it for energy, right? What is the job of your body fat? To provide energy to your entire body between meals. That is the job of your body fat. And so what I'm saying, and you can quote me on this, is that obesity now is organ failure. It is failure of the adipose tissue and why does that matter? Well, when you look at somebody, if you're a thin person and you look at somebody who's overweight or obese and you're like judging them, why don't they have self-control? Th that's a lot like judging somebody on their way to a dialysis clinic for having kidney failure. But it's actually the situation for that obese person is worse because at least somebody with kidney failure gets a proper diagnosis. They have kidney failure and there's a treatment for it. But right now, nobody but me and my Fat Burn Fix book is telling folks who have this problem of obesity because of eating seed oils that they have organ failure. They have a real metabolic problem. It's not willpower. It is that their body fat has failed them. And the reason that they can't 
easily lose weight, stay on a diet, stick with most diets is because they feel bad physically when their body fat is the only fuel available to burn for energy. And what does that do? It makes you hungry. What kind of hungry? Hangry. So if you are wondering if this is happening to you, if you've got too much of this PUFA in your body fat, you can tell. And here's how. If you get hangry, you know, if you get irritable or grouchy when you haven't been able to eat, when it's past your lunchtime, or when you've, you know, just been out and about all day and you forgot to eat and you start to feel like your brain's not functioning right, you start to get anxious, you can even get headaches. That's a sign that you have too much PUFA in your body fat and you're on the verge, if you haven't already gained weight, you're on the verge of having adipose failure. And that will open you up to weight gain, diabetes, and everything associated with this thing they call, they've called it diabetes. I'm sure you've talked about that term before where obesity now, obesity now is a deadly disease. It didn't used to be, that's what I'm saying. Before seed oils, you take away seed oils, you could be overweight, it's not good for your joints, you know, there's probably, it's not good for your skin, you have skin folds and stuff can grow, it's kind of maybe gross, but it's true. But you take away the polyunsaturated fatty acids and obesity is only a, a problem because of the mechanics of it. You know, the fact that your joints are bearing heavy loads and maybe you can't bend over, but it's not a deadly disease. We made it deadly by infusing all of our food with these toxic seed oils and vegetable oils, AKA mm. vegetable oils. Got a quick break coming up, we'll be right back. Few people know that regularly drinking coffee has been shown to help prevent cognitive decline and reduce the risk of developing Alzheimer's and Parkinson's disease. This attribute referenced in the journal Practical Neurology is yet another reason why intelligent coffee consumption makes the list of best neuronutritious beverages. Another study featured in the journal Psychopharmacology uncovered that drinking coffee has some remarkable benefits on mental performance. The researchers found that intelligent coffee intake leads to improvements in alertness, improved reaction times, and enhanced performance on cognitive vigilance tasks and tasks that involve deep concentration. Now, why am I stressing intelligent coffee intake? This means acknowledging the true U-shaped curve of benefits and not going ham on caffeine. The data clearly shows that some coffee, a cup or two a day, and the accompanying caffeine is a great adjunct for improved mental performance. But going too far starts to lead to diminishing returns. So we wanna make sure that we're getting an optimal intake of coffee, and again, not going overboard. But also, coffee is best when it's not coming along with pesticides, herbicides, rodenticides, fungicides, these chemical elements are clinically proven to destroy our microbiome terrain. So destroying the very microbiome that helps to regulate our metabolism, regulate our immune system, the list goes on and on. Obviously, we wanna make sure that those things are not coming along with the high quality coffee that we're trying to get these benefits from. And also, what if we can up-level the longevity and neurological benefits of the coffee by combining it with another clinically proven nutrient source. Well, that's what I do every day when I have the organic coffee combined with the dual extracted medicinal mushrooms from Four Sigmatic. And if we're talking about optimal cognitive performance, 
and the health of our brain, the protection of our brain, there are few nutrient sources like lion's mane medicinal mushroom that pack these kind of benefits. Researchers at the University of Malaya found that lion's mane has neuroprotective effects, literally being able to help to defend the brain against even traumatic brain injuries. It just makes the brain more healthy and robust. So again, this combination of medicinal mushrooms plus organic high quality coffee is a match made in nutrient heaven. Go to foursigmatic.com forward slash model. That's F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C.com forward slash model to get 10% off their incredible mushroom elixirs, mushroom hot cocos, and mushroom coffees. Again, that's foursigmatic.com forward slash model. And now back to the show. So I want to talk about what's handling, trying to process these seed oils in our body because certain organs are going to kind of try to step up and do something with it. And one of those being our liver, right? So our liver is obviously responsible for drug metabolism, supplements we're taking, all this stuff, you know, our diet, the liver is like frontline, like I got this guys, you know, taking the beating for everybody else trying to handle stuff. So I'm wanting to ask you about a connection here with liver function because I know liver function has a big role to play with our overall metabolism. So let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so the seed oils are toxic to the, you know, their toxicity begins at the point of entry into your body, which is your digestive system. And then from your mouth, your esophagus, your stomach, and your entire intestinal tract. But from there, your intestinal tract, the first stop is your liver. And exactly for the reason you said, that the job of the liver is to really step up and detoxify as much as it possibly can. And this is an interesting fact about that, that humans actually, we have a bigger liver for our size than other animals because we cook. And cooking generates toxins, right? But we can handle a certain amount. But when we have so much seed oil, it generates more toxins that are more toxic, that are worse. And it, it just dumps on the liver, right? And you can get fatty liver and you can get this thing called non-alcoholic fatty liver disease and even liver fibrosis. And one way that you learn about this is during a routine physical where your doctor does your annual blood tests and he looks at something called your liver function enzymes and they're elevated and if you're overweight or you've been eating a lot of seed oils even if you're not overweight and they're elevated and it's not due to alcohol like you didn't have a party (laughs) the night before then it's due to this non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. And that right there is a sign of how toxic these things are because your liver was designed to handle toxins, right? And we have a big, humans have a big liver because we expose ourselves to more toxins than any other animal because we're the only creatures that cook. So even our relatively giant liver that's designed to detoxify stuff can't handle it. And it just goes from there. Like the, the ones the liver can't handle it, then that's when things can really go haywire. But it, it, it has to do with how long you've been eating how much of this stuff, right? Like if you're just, you know, like 10 years old or something like that, and your mom cooked for you, did not use seed oils, you didn't do a lot of processed food, not a lot of fast food, 
you're probably fine. But then when you go to college and nobody's cooking for you anymore and you do go out to eat a lot with your friends, because why not? It's fun. It's Friday night. You will be eating these seed oils. And so your life will change because you will no longer feel as healthy because you are no longer as healthy. You are eating toxins on a daily basis. And yes, it definitely affects your liver. It, it affects every part of your body. It's just yeah. it's just insane. And one of the my most recent tweet actually was about, okay, well, what benefits do you get in the first month after cutting out these oils? So somebody that I follow on Twitter, uh, Real Oil Respector, <laughs> a great name, um, <laughs> put out this tweet about, okay, what's what's get, tell me your success stories. It's Friday. I want to hear some good news. And and she got flooded with people that were describing stuff. And I just I re- reviewed it and I did my own tweet and I said it looks like in the first month you get the following benefits. You get massive improvement in your digestive system. Like if you're somebody who suffers from bloating, that comes from direct toxicity of the oils, those acrolanes and weird other chemicals I was talking about earlier that are known carcinogens, some of them, they also cause ulcers and gastritis and ulcerative colitis and inflammation and bloating in the gut and just tons of discomfort. And then boom, they go to the liver. And of course, if your liver is inflamed too, then you can't handle food either. So it's, you know, if, if you have bloating, it could be either your liver or it could be your, your gut, who knows. But either way, you take away seed oils out and people like within just one month will say, now I can eat all kinds of foods that I thought I had intolerances to, which is amazing. And people will say their skin clears up. That was another big one. And another huge one was brain fog. They they would not have to uh, you know eat in order to be able to concentrate at work. This is just the tip of the iceberg of the benefits that you will have when you get off of seed oils. And that's why I've been saying that these are. This isn't just like the latest toxin of the month, you know, the latest bad food of the month. This is what's been poisoning us for the last hundred years in gradually increasing proportion. Wow, this is something really jumped out. All those things are wonderful, but something really jumped out is when you mentioned improvement in skin health. And it's so obvious because, you know, our skin is just like an oil machine as well. So, and it's also gonna be an outlet for our body to remove toxins from our system. It's really the biggest eliminatory organ in a sense. And so let's talk about that a little bit more with these vegetable oils having an impact on our skin quality. Yeah, absolutely. So fat is stored in this, in our body fat and our body fat is located directly under our skin, right? So you go down maybe like an eighth of an inch and you start getting to body fat. That's actually body fat and under there, but it's called subcutaneous. And so that's where all the extra PUFA goes. And so when you've been eating a normal standard American diet and you've got all that PUFA in there, well, for one thing, if you're like super pale, like me, you're going to, you go out in the sun for 20 minutes, you're going to (laughs) burn, right? Sunburn. That's one of the one of the great things that us pale faces, <laughs> we want to get our tans on in the summer. And it's a challenge because you burn when you're on PUFAs, right? So one of the great things that people notice that I didn't mention is they tan instead of burning. Um, hmm. And so, so that 
right there is huge. And you still got to use suntan lotion and all that kind of stuff, but you won't burn as easily. Another super common problem that, uh, with skin is eczema, right? Dry, flaky skin um, that's itchy a lot of the time. It can have embarrassing kind of patches, especially if you get on your neck, your chest, your face, or your arms. A lot of people are embarrassed by it. You know, doctors will give you all kinds of creams for it. They'll tell you to hydrate your skin, but you just get off seed oils. And you don't need any of that. It, it clears up. Like some people clears up completely. And it starts to clear up really quick, like within a month. But some people take it might need to take a little bit longer. It all depends on your metabolism and how you metabolize things, and um, you know where you're effectively able to detoxify first. But it's going to get better. So, so those are just two skin conditions. Did you have one that you wanted that you were curious about particularly? Uh, this really jumped out when you mentioned sunburns. You know, just even thinking about that, the the oil construct that our body's made of. The sun is essentially frying those low quality oils in a sense and just basically cooking you with these very volatile oils. And this is one of the things that I've heard repeated through our conversation is just how unstable these oils are and just prone to oxidation. And again, if we look at the rate of skin related issues from the sun, you know, via sun sunburns, skin cancer, all these things, those things have had a steady trajectory in recent years as well. Humans literally evolved being out in the sun. You know, that's just how we're, we wouldn't have life here on the planet without this big flaming ball of, you know, awesomeness. But we've been programmed to fear the sun and we can't go out without, you know, whatever, some kind of protective measure. But what I want people to get is that our skin protection from the sun and a healthy, relationship with the sun is built from the inside out. But we just think about it, you know, I'm gonna lather up with this whatever, which again, could possibly be putting more toxic chemicals into your system, by the way. Totally. And carcinogens, you know, there's been several of these conventional sunscreens that have known carcinogens in them as well. That again, the sun is just gonna cook. We're, we're trading one thing for five other problems. And so if we can, again, start to, be more intentional about the oils that we're making our body out of, our skin out of, we'll have much more resilience and a healthier relationship with the sun. Because without the sun, for example, we're not gonna naturally produce vitamin D, which a supplement, cool, that's great, but that's down the line of what we're evolved to have. And just being able to have that healthy sun exposure, not have volatile oils just sitting there underneath our skin, as you mentioned, that sub subcutaneous level, so having a really good relationship with the sun, being able to, you know, really think about what we're making our skin out of. And I want to ask you about this advanced glycation end products. I thought about that when we were looking at, okay, so what is making up our skin and these interactions and the volatility of what's even happening in our blood, for example. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I think sugar, what if we get sugar? Because you said we've got this parallel of low quality oil consumption and our increases in chronic diseases, which are multiple epidemics in our world, but also our consumption of sugar has jumped right along there. You know, they're playing a game of double dutch and seeing the health of our citizens decline. What if we get low quality oils and we sprinkle in some low quality sugar as well? Yeah, so sugar is 
also potentially toxic to ourselves when the concentration gets above the normal level in our bloodstream, right? So we're designed to, the dose makes the poison, that applies to everything, even oxygen, even water, right? But it applies to sugar too. So we need a little bit of sugar because some of the cells in our body, uh, like our red blood cells, they can't get energy without sugar in the bloodstream. So that's one of the reasons why we have some sugar in our bloodstream all the time, but we have a tiny amount. We're designed to have somewhere around a teaspoon of sugar in a gallon and a half of our whole blood supply. If you're like a, the average size male of normal weight, you have a gallon and a half of blood and all the sugar dissolved in your bloodstream amounts to a teaspoon, four grams. So if you have much more than that, if you, let's say you have, uh, th that would give you a blood sugar, a normal blood sugar level, which is between like 80 and hundred. Let's say you have a blood sugar level of 200 because you have diabetes that accelerates this process of aging and glycation because sugar is literally sticky and it will stick to the proteins in your skin and will stiffen it and wrinkle it. So you will lose that elasticity. Same thing in your joints and your arteries and many, many other tissues that advanced glycation end products are a very um, important a part of the aging process that a healthy cell will be able to handle and slow down. We've, we've got specialized enzymes for detecting advanced glycation end products that develop in certain areas of our body, like the surface of our cells. And these specialized enzymes, they detect that this area is damaged with advanced glycation end product and they start fixing it, right? So that's how that's how it's like we've evolved with this process. So just kind of like antioxidants and oxidation, we've evolved with free radicals and damage to our PUFAs from oxygen, but only a certain amount. And the same applies to sugar. And here's how seed oils make sugar more toxic. Because you said it's like the perfect one-two punch, right? Seed oils, they make your body want more sugar in the bloodstream all the time because it has to do with how your brain gets energy. When, you're, when your body fat is failed because you have too much PUFA, then all of your cells will start wanting sugar kind of all at the same time. You know, after the food from your last meal has left the bloodstream and there's nothing in there anymore, all that's left is your normal amount of blood sugar, but it's a tiny bit. And so after a while, your brain is really smart and it gets smart and says, hey, I know. I'm just going to make that liver put more sugar in the bloodstream all the time. And this is what I talk about in the fat burn fix. This is how I think we all get type two diabetes. So like other people have their other theories that it's all, it's all about sugar and carbs and wearing out the system. I don't think that makes any sense. I think seed oils actually cause type two diabetes too. And they make you less tolerant of sugar. And sugar is really not that toxic compared to seed oils because uh, actually I was on a summit yesterday, just yesterday, a summit aired called the future of fat. And there was a question posed, what's worse, sugar or seed oils? And there were two of us panelists and we both agreed hands down, it's seed oils worse than sugar. Because when we eat too much sugar, it can be fattening, right? And and if we don't have diabetes yet, we don't have a blood sugar spike for very long. And we will get some of those advanced glycation end products. Like if you eat like a sit down to a big bowl of M&Ms, like I used to do, I used to literally eat a pound of those pound bags of peanut M&Ms. I 
so love that stuff. I would do that after I would go on a 10 mile run and sit down on my beanbag chair and just go chow, 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 chow <laughs> while reading Mad Magazine. So, Holy <laughs> moly. That right there is a visual. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so i so that would probably have spiked my blood sugar quite a bit and it was you know that's aging process that's you age yourself when you do that but for the most part after the after that little spike what happened was my body was healthy enough at that time to be able to take the extra sugar and convert it into that saturated fat, the right kind of fat to store in the body fat, saturated monounsaturated, that my body, that our, our cells love to use as fuel. And so we basically, that's almost, you could look at that process of building fat as a detoxification of all the sugar in your diet. You convert it into healthy mono and monounsaturated and saturated fat and store it off in your body fat. That's like a detoxification process. So sugar can't be that toxic for very long. But then when you develop diabetes, because of seed oils, then it's even worse for you because you can't, your, your, your body is now thinking that a normal blood sugar is twice as high as what really normal is. And so even though it's not a whole lot more physical sugar in your bloodstream, you might have instead of one teaspoon, you might have two, the concentration of sugar, because sugar can be quite toxic. If we have too much, dose makes the poison that can start to kill some your cells quicker and stick to your joints through that process of of developing advanced glycation end products and a lot of people have told me that they notice once they cut down on sugar and seed oils then when they kind of go on a binge and have a, a, you know a little bit of both but especially if they have sugar the next day they feel it in their fingers you're not going to, I don't think you might notice this if you're really young, but I think once you get to a certain age and you've got enough of this stiffness already in your connective tissues and your small joints, that just a little bit more can kind of really feel bad. And um, so tons of people have told me that they feel it in their joints and that's feeling literally that, that glycation of the protein in their connective tissue in their joints from too much sugar. Wow, you know, when I even think about Pufa, I've never said this out loud, but I always think about Puffy, you know, like puffed up, Puffa, you know, and I think about Puff Daddy, you know, you know how the brain is, goes on a journey, you know, so then I think about the hypnotized video, Never mind. But anyways, Pufas, if we connect that to puffiness, whether it's our joints, whether it's our, our tissues, being a driver of inflammation, period, and so we've got, and this is why I love having these conversations with you, because it's just adding more legs to this very important foundational tenet and just stacking conditions for our, our belief system around it. And we can become more aware in our own lives because especially if you're cooking your own food, you have much more control over this, but also thinking about when we're going out to eat and all these different things. And if we could make a cultural shift so we don't have to be neurotic out here and just worrying about what kind of oils are getting used. I know that, again, Whole Foods, you know, their hot bar, for years I've been saying this, like they're using canola oil, like it's like it's all good, yeah, organic canola oil. And because of the marketing around it, now of course the science is really, really becoming overwhelming on how detrimental these low quality oils are. But here's the thing, it could be, it could be more expensive. That's one of the reasons that it's been driven into our culture so heavily is that they're cheap, cheap, they're but they're, they're treating us like we're cheap, you know? So yeah. <laughs> let's talk a little bit about what we can do instead. What Because 
humans, you know, we're going to interact with oils. It's a big part of foods in general, but also with cooking and the like. So let's dive in and talk about what we can use as alternatives. So the easiest alternatives are the familiar just butter. If you ever make bacon, save the grease. Just frying eggs up in bacon grease is delicious. Coconut oil is another one if you like the flavor of coconut. I personally don't use it because I, I don't, I don't know. We don't cook a lot of stuff that tastes good when it's cooked in coconut oil, but it's a really good one. It's very stable. It doesn't oxidize easily. Olive oil, if I didn't mention that already. Avocado oil, that's another one. And peanut oil. So like peanut oil is a very traditional oil. The, the way that I made my good fats and bad list, which is on my website, just go to drkate.com and then just type in the search list of good fats and bad. The way that I made that is I looked at what is a traditional oil? What do people traditionally use? And then we want to try and get an oil that was made in as traditional a manner as possible so that, it, you know, in other words, it's not refined because we didn't have factory refining, you know, until 100 years ago. But peanuts, I believe they were called ground nuts and they came from Africa. And so that that whole continent there um, was basically the one of the most common oils was peanut oil. And so and some people say that, you know, peanuts are pro-inflammatory and that's just not I, that, there's no chemistry behind that. Peanuts do have a certain amount. They have a slightly higher polyunsaturated fatty acid content than like olives and avocado. But because these peanuts were bred for so many thousands of years to be oily, they yield the oil easily and you don't need a lot of high heat and harsh processing so that it just, you squeeze it with like mechanical pressure. And when you get peanut oil, that's good quality, that's unrefined, it will taste like peanuts. And I think it's delicious and it will be healthy. It will still have all the vitamin E and vitamin A and minerals and all kinds of good stuff that nature puts in there to protect the polyunsaturated fatty acids from oxidizing while in the seed. So some of the great, ironically, some of the best sources of antioxidant vitamins like E, vitamin E, vitamin E specifically pr protects the PUFAs in our body fat and our cell membranes and in our lipoproteins, the cholesterol carrying particles in our blood. Vitamin E is very important for that. And ironically, like some of the greatest sources of vitamin E are the seeds that they make oil, seed oil from, but it's totally destroyed in the processing, right? So you don't have it anymore. But so you can eat the seeds, you can totally eat the seeds, but you don't want to have them, you know, you don't want to have them cooked to death because that will oxidize oil. They're better for you when they're like raw or lightly cooked or this thing called sprouted. Um, I think I've gotten off topic. What, what, what <laughs> no, this is good. Oh, what, what's good to eat? <laughs> yeah. The one that most surprised me was the peanut oil, of course, because it just seems like where does that lie in this? And also what automatically comes up after working with so many people over the years, too, is peanut allergies and some of the best data that we have now, because this wasn't a thing before as well. It's just like skyrocketed to the degree that some people are so susceptible to these peanut allergies, like you can get deathly sick just being exposed to them. And the question is what happened? Why is this, what's going on? There's two things that's really been disclosed in the data. One is our tragic state of our microbiome being one of the culprits underneath all of this and also Clearly, and this just from talking with you and, and, and studying your work, our interaction with these PUFAs, making us having essentially, and this was something that you mentioned too, folks having more hyper reactive 
experiences being exposed to different foods that they think they have allergies to, but they're really, their body is just dealing with a lot of toxicity from these PUFAs. Right, and don't forget that the PUFAs are toxic to the microbiome, right? So one of the big reasons that we have a messed up microbiome is because we're killing the good bugs <laughs> with, the, with all those toxins that we send down there. And, um, you know, you have to breed weird organisms that can survive on that stuff. That's what happens. We've got weird bugs in our gut. And it's not just from antibiotics. And it's, it's from, you know, sugar doesn't help either. But a lot of it is from these seed oils. And so, but then the seed oils are a double whammy because they also promote inflammation. And that inflammation uh, makes your immune system really challenged because when you have a peanut allergy, so there's food intolerances and food allergies. And the allergies tend to be more serious because that's where you can get that reaction called anaphylaxis, where your throat swells up and you can stop breathing. Or if you don't get an epinephrine shot in time, that's an allergy, not an intolerance. And that comes from your, your immune system getting involved because your immune system is confused and it thinks the peanut protein is a really serious pathogen. So it's like launching an all out full scale, like panic button hits the panic button in your body. That's what anaphylactic reaction is. Plus it's something that it goes out of control because it should be just located in the area where you contact the peanuts. But when, so your immune system is confused that the peanut, which is a friend is actually a very dangerous toxin. And because you, you are depleted of antioxidants because of so much PUFA that we've all been eating, you can't control the reaction properly once it gets started. So it, it, it's, it, it should just be localized, right? Like that would make sense. How does it get all over the body? Well, because you've got too many of the like pro-inflammatory things going, you don't have enough antioxidants to keep the, the chemical irritation localized and under control to just where it's contacting you, whether it's your lips or your, you know, your gut or, or anywhere. So seed oils do this. That's the, the reason we have this rash of, uh, I guess that's a bad word to use. <laughs> the reason we have such a plethora, <laughs> so many people with bad allergies and peanut allergies and food intolerances is seed oils. And I, I haven't mentioned anything just about malnutrition or nutrient deficiency, that's a big part of it too, because seed oils have no nutrition, right? So that five, six, seven, 800 calories a day that we're getting from seed oils, nothing nourishing in there. And we need nutrition for our body to work right too. And so, you know, that's a whole other issue that we have going on in the Western diet, but definitely, you know, seed oils are contributing to that. But don't forget that, you know, just having a healthy, getting enough protein and getting all the vitamins and minerals, that's really key too. I mean, it's not just enough just to cut out the seed oils. You got to know what to do instead. And so that's why getting back to your question of what oils, what fats are good. Like if you did tallow and lard and the old fashioned, what people used to do in the old days, and you can see a lot of really cool things that people do. Um, on TikTok, <laughs> like I follow this one lady and she's like this 90 year old that cooks up in a walk, like starting with the stream, like she uses, she doesn't, I guess, plumbing. So she uses the stream. I mean, it's just the coolest thing ever. Like what did people used to do? But there's a lot of fat going in there a lot. And I think it's lard pork fat she pours into the walks. So I think a good question just to 
summarize this is just asking ourselves, what have humans been utilizing the longest? You know, so this goes back to ghee and butter and coconut oil and animal fats and olive oil is another one. And that's the last one I want to ask you about in closing, because even with these higher quality oils that humans have been using for thousands of years, everyone that I just said, thousands of years versus a couple of decades, a few decades now with these highly refined seed oils that require this massive industrial process just to make them palatable, not to take away the toxicity necessarily, but just so we can use them to make, you know, food to the texture or the mouthfeel or the shelf stability, whatever manipulation is taking place. But with olive oil, there's going to be qualities here, you know, good, better, best. We want to make sure that we're sourcing our stuff the right way, because would it be a good idea to get an olive oil out there that's in a clear plastic bottle on the store shelf? Definitely not, because that's a sign that, as you know, the sun, just like it can burn us, it can burn oil in a bottle. And so a manufacturer that cares about protecting its oil is going to use a dark bottle. Those are more expensive than the clear plastic bottles. So it's just a sign of a manufacturer that doesn't care. And there probably is a lot of other stuff they didn't do right either that is going to affect you and it won't taste as good and it won't be anywhere near as good for you. Yeah. So let's let's think about that piece. And also, because if we're talking about an olive oil, for example, this is a fruit, by the way, same with an avocado and the oils are more, they're much more graceful in letting go of their of their thickness, of their, you know, oiliness. And there's gonna be a different ratio. They're not, they don't have as many saturated fats that are more stable than say a coconut oil, for example, or even butter that people can sit out on their counter, for example, which that's a big debate too. Do you sit the butter out in a butter dish or do you keep it in the fridge? You know, people could, you know, maybe everybody can, if they're watching this on YouTube, let me know what way do you go with your butter? Do you leave it on the counter? Do you have a butter dish or do you keep it in the fridge? And so, you know, this has been wonderful, just starting to, again, add more legs un under our understanding of this massive issue in our nutritional concerns, but also in our healthcare epidemics. You know, here in the United States, if you look at the results, we're not doing well. You know, we're really the sickest nation in the history of documented human civilization with <laughs> largely preventable chronic lifestyle-related diseases. And we just simply need to ask, what is in our food supply that wasn't here previously. Because I'll tell you, a lot of the folks that are working to lose weight, to shift their, their body fat ratio to get healthier, they're doing stuff. They're watching what they eat, they're exercising, they're trying to stack conditions in their favor, but they don't realize oftentimes there's this kryptonite in their food that is causing so much metabolic disruption. This is why I'm so grateful for your work and all the resources that you share. So can you let everybody know again about your book, your latest book, and of course you have one of the most epic treatises as well that you came out with first, Deep Nutrition, but uh, mention your latest book where people can pick it up and also where they can follow you on social media. Yeah, definitely. So my website is drkate.com, D-R-C-A-T-E.com. And from there you can uh, find my socials, but I'm on Twitter at Dr. Kate Shanahan. I always have to think about that one. D-R-C-A-T-E Shanahan. That's a long one. And then I'm also on Facebook under Dr. Kate Shanahan. And my latest book is The Fat Burn Fix. 
And that book, I take folks through the process of how seed oils have damaged their metabolism and how you really need to follow your traps kind of like in a vicious cycle, right? Because I said, you've got too much poof in your body fat. Your body doesn't want to burn body fat. How are you going to lose weight when your body doesn't want to burn body fat to get exposed to all that poof? So I take you out of that vicious cycle in that book. And you can get a taste of it from my website if you go to my website, drkate.com and just type in the, the book, Fat Burn Fix, you'll have access, if you subscribe, actually, even easier, if you just subscribe, you'll get access to a quiz that I call the Fat Burn Factor, which tells you how well you're burning your body fat and whether or not you're really so deeply trapped in that vicious cycle that you really need to focus first on getting more energizing meals, getting more energy between meals before you're ready to do something like an intermittent fast or just like jump right into a keto diet or something like that. You need to do it. There's some other steps and that'll help you lose weight without feeling terrible. Mm, So awesome. Well, again, (laughs) I love talking with you and I can't wait till the next conversation. And again, I just thank you so much because you've been pressing forward with, with this message and now so many people are picking up on this. And it's because of, you know, you and a couple of other folks have just been pioneering this and creating such great resources. So I just really appreciate you so much. Well, well, thank you for having me on, Sean. It's always a pleasure to speak with you. Awesome. Well, everybody, Dr. Kate Shanahan. Thank you so much for tuning into the show today. I hope you got a lot of value out of this. This is the time to upgrade our oils, all right? Looking at our bodies like a highly sophisticated Automobile, for example, the oils that we put in matter. Getting those oils exchanged can extend the life of the car. So, of course, this isn't the movie Cars. We're not Transformers. But just to give that analogy, you know, this has been a part of the human diet for thousands of years. Oils are going to be coming through naturally in various foods and also being extracted for various reasons. Not just nutritive, but also medicinal aspects of oils as well and that's a whole other subject that we'll definitely touch on in the future but for now make sure to follow the work of dr kate shanahan she's really leading the charge in the subject matter and you're going to see much more coming down the pike as the years roll on here with shifting away from these oils and it becoming something that is commonly accepted so i appreciate you so much for tuning into the show today if you got a lot of value out of this please share this out with your friends and family send it directly from the podcast app you're listening on of course you could tag me on social media and tag dr kate as well and share what you thought about this episode i appreciate you so much for tuning in we've got some epic shows coming your way very soon take care have an amazing day and i'll talk with you soon and for more after the show make sure to head over to themodelhealthshow.com that's where you can find all of the show notes you can find transcriptions videos for each episode and if you got a comment you can leave me a comment there as well and please make sure to head over to itunes and leave us a rating to let everybody know that the show is awesome and i appreciate that so much and take care i promise to keep giving you more powerful empowering great content to help you transform your life thanks for tuning in